Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting live from the KBEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's time for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. We're back and we're live. It's Mr. Mike Points and I am Dan Podesto and we are here this fine Saturday morning. Jason Grody has the night off. Don't they always say that in the news? Yeah. Jason Grody has the night off. He has the night off. Yeah, he's actually got uh, the weekend to go visit one of his brothers having a birthday. So we hope he's having a good time today. Feels like sometime um, after the sun went down last night, or maybe shortly before, it went from like a really chilly kind of end of winter feel outside to all of a sudden these warm offshore winds. It's like, it's warm. It's going to be 75 today. Do we just go from winter to summer? Isn't there a spring in the middle? Should spring be happening? Central Coast. I think we're supposed to have some more winter later on this week. I'm here Thursday, possibly. I'm not done with the rain. We need a little more. We need a lot more. I mean, it was nice. It was a nice little, you know, intense week of rain, but we need more than one week a year. I was in Santa Paula during that five and a half inches of rain. It was like... See, I liked it. That's crazy. I love that. It felt nice and steady. It didn't come with the crazy hurricane winds. It was just (laughs) a nice rain. Yeah. Yeah. I like People that. in the Midwest laugh at us. Oh, I know. You ever been in traffic in the Midwest when it's raining? Yeah. You're like, this is the end. The wiper blades can't move the water Lightning fast enough. striking oh, yeah. right there. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of feeling, yeah. yeah. I love you, honey. Well, She's like, just if, pull over. What are you talking if about? If they knew how infrequent <laughs> it was out here, they... They'd understand more. Laughing at us. Yeah. In fact, speaking of people in the Midwest, I have a client coming to Yucca Valley, California this weekend from Ohio. Hmm. Sold her condo in Ohio, moving to Yucca Valley. That's right. People people are moving back into California, but she is like getting a picturesque weekend. I called her, you know, just like safe travels. Hope everything goes well. Let me know if you need anything about the pre-approval. Um, she's working with one of the agents I love to work with out in San Bernardino County. And it's like, just a, look at the weekend she sliced up 74, yeah. you know, nice. There's not going to be, it's got to beat that snow in Ohio or whatever's going <laughs> right. on out there. She lives in Cincinnati, which I don't know much about as far as like, you know, places, things to do and things. So she's from a city, but, um, you know, I still think it gets cold there. It's got to get cold. <laughs> it's got to get cold. Yeah. Cool. How did. How did you meet this client from Ohio? The internet. Ah, uh, okay. Our website. All right, cool. And uh, an agent that I really work well <clears> with <throat> in San Bernardino County um, turned her on to us. Um, she looked us up on the web. One conversation, she was like, oh, man, you guys are great. I am sold. You're the guy. Yep. Nice. Takes a lot to, um, you know, 
make someone feel comfortable when you'll never meet them face to face. Yeah. They're going to make a big purchase. Mm-hmm. They're going to move out to California. And I think we do that well here at Central Coast Lending. It's kind of weird how the industry's evolved. Um, and it really seems like it's happened just in the last five or 10 years where there's been a big emphasis in our in our industry on you know implementing technology into the process and i think it's part of just the way society is evolving too we don't do as many things face to face anymore mm-hmm. and then with combined with some of the technological resources we have it just makes doing um business from a distance not a problem yeah it, it's just as easy as face to face yeah you can do facetime calls so it's like you're sitting in the same room mm-hmm. you can have email exchanges where you're able to get all your you know thoughts and ideas and questions out in one you yes, know one nice go efficient. no interruptions yep. you know and then someone can respond to you mm-hmm. addressing all your concerns so yeah it's it's um it's really interesting to see and in fact that was going to be something that we were going to talk a little bit more uh about later on the show is just how technology is implemented into the mortgage process and how it can make make the job your job as a as a a potential loan client easier mm-hmm. um you know because i think the stigma around getting a mortgage is that it's such a difficult process it can be made that way and i think we'll touch on that more later but in general i agree with you dan i think the evolution of technology in many industries is you know certainly at an all-time high but the 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 let's just call it the smartness of it is just getting so tailored yeah right so we'll touch on that certainly but yeah i think that you you mentioned the weather i think that this is a great day to just say hey look we've got stuff to do at the house but let's get outside and enjoy this beautiful place where we live yep called the central coast i'm going to cambria today what are you doing one-year-old birthday party oh fun yeah, which so feels it's more like for the parents. Those really should have a cocktail cart, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this kid's not going to remember. You gotta, but... Yeah, you've got a child strapped in a chair yeah. <laughs> or crawling on the ground. I'm waiting They're for them to remember. destroy that cake. <laughs> right. That's the main event. That's when I leave after that. All right, guys. <laughs> see ya. Get after it, girl. <laughs> That's a perfect swan dive right into the middle. <laughs> Boom. Kind of Don't dovetails touch. with what we were, t- we were talking about that on the Mother Mouse this morning. All the cool places that we have around here to go check out. And do you, you, know, you got to get out and check them out. Yeah. Yeah. Cambria, man. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. We get oh, no. so you mentioned technology. I mean, that's one of the things that bogs us down. It's like, oh, I can get some work done from home, or I got my laptop out, or the Netflix. I can get outside, people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Exactly. On the way up to Cambria, there's a beautiful little um, hiking. I don't even want to call it a hiking trail, a walking trail. Have you done the uh, the Harmony Headlands um, trail? You know, I haven't, but I've heard, I've read of it. I stopped in Harmony, and does it start there? Yeah, so just the trailhead. I mean, right nearby, right through the backside the, of town. Yeah, you know, you've as you're heading north, you've got the town of Harmony on your right. You've got a little parking alcove on the left, right, uh, okay. with the trailhead. And I mean, it's not long at all, but it just it leads you through just some kind of hilly terrain, a wildflower, not a lot going pretty, on, pretty and cool. then all of a sudden it opens up, and you're just you're right at the at the ocean. Wow, wow I never even thought about that. Yeah. What's that one called? That's the Harmony Headlands um, Trail or something yeah. like so that. So it's right across uh, Highway 1 from the town of Harmony? Yeah, it's very close. I don't know that it's directly across, mm-hmm. but it's very nearby. 
Look it up. You can find that stuff. Yeah. Can't miss it. You can't yeah. miss it if you drive up there. Outstanding. Um, so, yeah, we had a little news yesterday, huh? The government's reopening. Woohoo! About that time. Woohoo! Where's the, my, where's the applause clip? My over under <laughs> was. My over-under was 30 days. Yeah. You know, people start missing their mortgage payment. Yeah. And their rent payment. Woo. Did you, uh, did you bet the over on that? I couldn't find the line. <laughs> you know, I was looking for it. I called up Caesar's Palace. I was like, yeah. hey, you guys got a line on this thing? <laughs> I'm about 30. No, I'll but do... we've got KD versus Goff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um yeah, so uh, apparently an agreement was signed very quickly. It's amazing when uh, when some of these politicians are motivated how quickly they can get something done, huh? Yeah. yeah. It takes 35 days to point fingers, and then all of a sudden, in a matter of hours, they can get get something through the House, the Senate, and pass the president's desk all just yeah, but it's nice a quick. Yeah, but it's a 15-day thing, right? Um, it trial. was a three-week extension uh for funding the government so it it funds the government through the 15th of february back pay um it yeah, yeah they're working on getting back pay to federal workers right yeah. away yeah um and trying to get that all fixed back up and then that affords the you know the the two major parties to work out their border security differences over the next three weeks and hopefully come to some agreement there so that we don't have this problem again Mm-hmm. I think I brought it up last week. We wouldn't have these government shutdown threats and realities if uh, we didn't spend more than we brought in. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. Yeah, that is, that is, this is so unpatriotic. Of this you is to us say. running into a debt ceiling because Congress approves how much debt our country is allowed to go into yeah. at any given time, and we keep running into that ceiling, um, and it's because we spend more than we bring in so yeah we wouldn't have this problem if we just brought in what we needed it's not a political show but hey, i do think uh, i do think <laughs> hey man it's a show about economics all right it's, it's a show about economics <laughs> and, uh, i was just gonna say i know how to run a budget yeah. <laughs> and usually bringing in more money than you spend is the way to go dan is standing right now yeah, usually it's a good idea to have what they call a surplus? <laughs> I yeah. like it. Being in the black. <laughs> right. You know, operating in the red is not the way to do it. You can't do that forever. No. It might be a pretty color, but it's not so right. pretty when, you're, when it's not dealing pretty, with yeah. money. It's not pretty when it's on a financial <laughs> <Yeah>. statement. <laughs> it's not pretty to an accountant. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing, too, that uh, we got news about is the, the changes in um, some of the reports we saw in the month prior with regards to, like, new housing starts. And some of the slowing down of of inventory again. Um, what I liked, what I saw is that we saw um, truly. What I liked is the ten-year Treasury note staying right where it is through all of this. And I read on Wednesday that we have. I mean, unemployment has been the lowest it's ever been since the you know Lyndon B. Johnson years, nineteen sixty-nine. So. If everything stays right where it should be right now with regards to like the 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 way the treasury notes going and the way the employment's going, I feel like you see maybe two rate hikes this year and we just kind of coast through 2019 and sitting back and seeing finally watching what the Fed has done with our rates to see if we can stay stay tight. And and honestly, I'll just summarize with this, Dan. Honestly, 
I think that brings a lot of ease to this current housing market we're in. If we can just coast through a year and maybe let the prices stay right where they are, maybe let people get a little bit more comfortable with the potential raise they get Mm -hmm. and, and settle back into what I would call an unaffordable housing market and just see if they can play ball from there for a first time home buyer or a new home buyer, you know? Yeah. I think taking the slower approach is, there's something to be said for that. I, th- I think that's kind of the message that we've been getting from the fed of late. Um, you know, they had their, their meeting, um, a few weeks ago and, and then after the meeting, you know, some of the fed representatives go on a media tour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've talked a lot about, about finding neutral where it, when it comes to the fed interest rate. And, um, I, I one of the fed, members i can't remember who it was it wasn't uh chairman powell it was someone else but they were saying that they felt that they were just below neutral right now and we know from uh, a month or two ago that the fed is looking to go just above neutral mm-hmm. so i think your your prediction of of two more rate hikes this year quarter point rate hikes is probably pretty spot on um, you know, I kind of took away that just below neutral was one rate hike below neutral. And if the goal is to go just above, yeah. that would be one more. Yeah. So I think you're, you're right on that. That kind of seems to be the message before, you know, there was more focus on the fed, which I feel like has, has kind of the lens has, has focused on them here just in the last three to six months. Um, it seemed like they were poised totally. for three rate hikes this year in 2019, but now it seems like they've kind of backed off on that, and two seems more appropriate. You got all these indicators that say everything's kind of taking a break. I mean, yes, it's January, okay? In January, yeah, except for of some all... of the key ones, except for jobs, which you said is one of the best jobs markets. You know, as that's far, true. Whether you're looking at unemployment or jobless claims or whatever, all the different metrics, even the stubborn. Uh, Hourly earnings has finally eclipsed the 3% mark. Um, so we're starting to see a little better growth there. So everywhere when you look Thank at God. jobs is looking pretty good. Right. Um, there are other areas that are maybe stagnating a little. Um, certainly, you know, going a month or two forward from here, it's probably not going to look great because of the shutdown hurting economic activity a little bit. So. Who knows? I mean, that had to hurt some people. And it had to hurt some businesses, but you know, you look at like things like crude oil just sitting tight between fifty and fifty dollar, fifty five dollars a barrel. You know, there's no real like gold is not running amok. Everything is just kind of chilling. And I think that you are uh, what we've talked about since the, since I started coming on this show in two thousand late two thousand fifteen is the wage increase. You know, we can see a nice three to five percent wage increase for the next two years. Yeah. I think everyone wins. Oh my gosh. Everyone Huge. wins. The employer has to fork out a little more dough, but that goes back through that economy, you know? And we'll see how this tax credit works out, right? We're gonna start seeing dollars going back to people. Where are those dollars gonna go? You know, save half of the dollars, people. Yeah. Try. But the tax the tax law that was in effect last year will now start people are gonna start filing refunds on the twenty eighth. That's as soon as you can file. Mm-hmm. We'll see how fast they go through the IRS, but um, that'll be interesting too. It'll be interesting to see what that cash does to the market. Not going to influence a down payment or a house, you know, get a pre-approval, but just getting into the market, what that cash will do, because that's part of the plan, right? Yeah, I mean the the whole idea is that it does 
help those who need it the most that it that ends up trickling down for lack of a better term but um we'll we'll see how that all works out um you know as far as other signs you know for strengthening or weakening of the economy i think the other big thing other than jobs has has been housing at least for the last decade we've been so focused on jobs and housing housing is still strong from a price standpoint i think it's still strong from a demand standpoint sales numbers are down um home prices are up but i you know we continue to just struggle with the inventory issue in housing so i I still think that there's strong demand in housing, which is a good sign for the economy that people want to, um, you know, buy homes. People want to move up. Um, and and so I think that's that's a good sign. Now, finding that home is a whole nother aspect that I think is lagging a little bit on the economy. If there were more home, in, if, if there was more home inventory, you'd see more activity. Right. You'd see more of the related activity that comes along with home purchases and move ups and move downs, which is all the furniture and re redesigning, remodeling improvements, all that kind of stuff that goes along with those home transactions. So yep. I think the economy lags a little bit from that. Um, I have we seen any retail sales numbers from? the holiday season yet i was looking that up this morning i didn't find anything i was hoping to get it on i want to say it was supposed to come out last week and just due to some of the the government shutdown stuff it didn't um i wanted to change my statement one thing about gold just just recently this last week it's gone up over one percent but you know in the last two three months hasn't run amok in case someone's out there listening and investing in gold I think that that is one thing I didn't say correctly in the last couple minutes. That's a big jump in just one week. It looks like our retail sales report has been delayed due to the government shutdown. So we do not have that report, which was due out last week, I believe. It says it was released, but I'm not seeing the numbers here. Have you guys had any slowdowns in lending because of the different loans that are unavailable during the shutdown? Um, the only loan program that was not available during that 35-day shutdown was the USDA loan. Um, so we did have at least one customer that um, was in a pretty lengthy delay. Um, we just simply, you, you're not allowed to fund a USDA mortgage without USDA's conditional commitment, which means the, the loan file actually has to pass through a USDA underwriter's hands. Get stamped. Um, and they have to approve it. Yep. You know, it's already been underwritten and approved by a lender, but then USDA has to give it their seal of approval before that loan can uh, fund. And during this whole government shutdown, USDA loan, the, the whole USDA staff was furloughed. Um, so they were not able to issue those conditional commitments. Otherwise, none of the other loan programs were affected. I heard that there may have been some issues if you needed some help with a DD-214, which is a form required to do a VA loan. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, none of the loan programs were impacted by the government shutdown. Mm. So, no, we didn't really see much activity there. And really, as far as the USDA loan goes, um, it's not nearly as big of a part of home buying on the Central Coast as it was uh, even just five years ago um, because home prices have moved up so much. It's it's really hard to make USDA financing work under about 450000 if a consumer has any kind of credit card debt or mm -hmm. auto, let alone 
you know, auto loans or mm-hmm. student loans. Yep. Um, it just becomes very, very difficult. You have to be a debt free person to get to make a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar purchase. Or you market. have to have like five or six kids. One yeah, of the two. Yeah. Or you have to one have a two. five to five. Which plus if you person found out how to do both those things, <laughs> hats off to you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. that uh, as far as government shutdown goes, no, not not a big impact on our industry. As far as just the general housing market goes, um, last year we saw about a ten percent decline in our company's business. The industry uh, had a little more pain than than I think we experienced as a company. The industry, I believe, was down around thirty percent. Um, heard a lot of stories about mortgage companies struggling to remain profitable. Uh, a lot of consolidation, some people exiting the industry altogether. Um, so it was a difficult year, and 2019 uh, is predicted to be very similar um, as the fight for mortgage volume continues, as we continue to face lack of inventory and housing and higher interest rates, which means less refinancing. Yep. So that's kind of the state of the mortgage yeah. industry. I still see though I want to I want to touch on that before we go to our break though. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a product out there that still is very helpful to individuals trying to refinance that maybe in a transition phase, usually self-employed trying to um, you know, access the equity in their home, which is the bank statement loan program, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't know how much we've talked on that this this year on the show, Dan, but um, I'm really seeing a lot of traffic pick up on the demand for that, where an individual who owns a business, we can look at their last 12 to 24 months of cash flow in the business, so gross deposits, mm-hmm. and determine with a very simple plus and minus calculation as to what their income will be. So, um, you know, if you're if you're a self-employed individual and you've had some issues in the last one or two years proving your income to a loan officer, I think it'd be a good time to call into the office. That's um, 805-543-LOAN rings all of our offices and ask about a bank statement program. You could ask for Dan Podesto or myself, Mike Points. I'd like to walk you through that because I think people are willing to access the equity in their home, even if it is a 55 or 6% interest rate, because it could help the fluid finances of their life a bit better. Yeah, certainly. Those... those Programs which us in the industry, we call the non-QM loans. They're non-qualified mortgages, uh, meaning they're not underwritten to just your agency guidelines. Um, Those loans have, you know, the popularity of them, if you will, or just the the number that's been, that we've actually funded has picked up quite a bit in the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing the need out there. And the acceptance in the marketplace of these loans, I think it it's helping people that couldn't otherwise qualify for a mortgage. I think that's first and foremost who it's helping. Well, there's a duty for all of us since that mortgage crash in 2008 and nine to prove that a borrower has the capacity to repay the loan. Yep. There's still a process in this bank statement loan program where, A, we don't look at tax returns. We don't look at ta- tax transcripts. I don't even need to know if you have a tax lien. But I would do a calculation to determine what your income is. Yeah. And, and many times it's fascinating how relatively close this income gets to what your K-1 would be or your net income if you're self-employed. It's amazingly close. And, the you know, the, met, the, the math equations to determine your income are different depending on if we're looking at personal bank statements versus business bank statements. There's mm-hmm. different expense factors. Now, obviously, if we're looking at personal bank statements, 
um, we're looking at income that is being paid to you more like a wage, whereas business bank statements is showing us more of that gross income to the company before expenses. Yeah. So there's a larger expense factor applied to a business bank statement than to a personal bank statement. Yeah. So it's a very prudent way to evaluate income and remarkably accurate, like you said, um, because the expense factors also vary depending on the type of employment the applicant um, is engaged in what industry they they work in yep and so the the expense factors are different for different industries and just having all the knowledge of of what typical expense factors are for industries we can get very accurate on the income yeah i think it's important for you to deal with a loan officer that understands how your business flows and how it operates but truly it's a cash flow loan it's a cash flow loan so people business owners hear that word and they love it so if you have questions about that, you can call in today to the show. Um, any listeners can call in with questions or, you know, comments or just, you know, you want to tell Dan and I how much you love the sound of our voice. You can call <laughs> uh, 543-8830. That's 805-543-8830. If you're out of the area, 800-549-5832. All right. It is 931. We're going to take our first break of this wonderful live two-hour Mortgage Matters, and we'll be right back. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending, and I want to thank you for supporting us these past 11 years. We have helped thousands of local residents buy and refinance homes here on the Central Coast, and we couldn't have done it without you. We are sincerely grateful and look forward to serving you for many years to come. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-473. NMLS number 328-358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending.
seven Didn't think before deciding what to do All right, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. California. Can't cut off the chorus, Dan. Yeah. We get rain. <laughs> hey, and oh, we get man. phone calls sometimes, too. Hey. Yeah, we got a phone call coming through. So. Yeah. All right. Just a reminder, we love your phone calls. Give us a call, 805-543-8830. Um, last week we had a wonderful guest. We had um, Mike from AM Sun Solar on the radio, and uh, they are a locally owned, locally operated solar company. I think they're based in Atascadero, if I remember correctly. Employ about fifty people, and um, it was awesome. We had so many calls, learning about solar. About all the all the ways you can finance it. Yeah. Different add-on options you can do. It's pretty cool stuff. Do you have solar on your house? I have explored solar on my house. Um, my roof, no. The answer is no. All right. I won't tell you about my house because no one wants to hear about my house. But this I- is the last year that you can get a 30% tax credit on solar. Yeah. And then it starts to go down... In 2020, and I think it expires in just a couple of years. I need to do a little bit of roof work as to where they are wanting to put the solar, so I'm going to actually redo the whole roof. Oh. It's about that time. It's are probably, you going to do solar? Yeah. Are you going to look into the Tesla solar tiles? You know, they can do the re-roofing. Yes. And instead of just comp shingles, you can get, like, solar shingles. Yeah, I've seen the shingles. They're pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to get those. You should price compare them. They're going to be a column. Okay. It's going to be a column. <laughs> On the spreadsheet? Yeah. Nice. It's going to be a column. <laughs> yeah. Pros things, and cons. Things need to be looked at <laughs> thoroughly. Uh, I would love to keep... So I live in south, um, southern San Luis Obispo, right right past Tank Farm, on uh, right off abroad. Of Basically, if anyone drives out broad, right where the traffic starts, that's where I turn left. Okay. And... Um, it's a three bedroom, two bath, about 1400 square feet. Um, really cool neighborhood. And I want to make it a rental. So I think the solar will play a factor into that. Hmm. Probably make it a rental in the next three to four years. But I think the solar would just help the average family of four save some money on their. Not going to make it a college rental? No. Looking for a family? I think so. I think it's a family neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, there's college students that live in all types of family neighborhoods. But I think it I think it would make a nice family happy for you know their entry period. Not gonna Airbnb it? Uh Airbnb is illegal. If you do oh. not live in the property, you cannot you cannot oh. be non owner occupied and oh. Airbnb a property. There's one doing it across the street from my house, which is awesome. So I guess you can do it. Yeah, you can do lots of things that are illegal, Dan. <laughs> like that little sign on the side of the road that has a number on it that says speed limit. Uh-huh. You can go above that. Right, true. Good point. You go about 10% higher than that, you're driving illegally. Good point. 
recklessly, they would say. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting at the fact that, you know, I think solar plays into your primary residence. I think it also can play a factor in the rental market where you can help people save some money on their everyday utilities, maybe charge them a bit more for rent. Yeah. Have a hot tub in the back that they don't have to pay for. Exactly. Yeah. If you guys are interested in exploring solar as an option for your home, you should uh, reach out to the folks at AM Sun Solar. Great company, straight shooters. Really enjoyed the conversation with them last week. You can check out the show if you want to get a little more information. It's on our website, centralcoastlending.com. You can check out last week's show or any archive show, really, um, if uh, if you're so inclined. It's great when you're at the gym or something and... You know, you just want to. It's like a on, podcast. Pop on a little podcast. Yeah, you can, you can do that. Uh, let's see here. Where do we want to go? I mean, it's it's kind of tough to report on the news when the news isn't reporting the news because the government's been shut down. So we did get some housing numbers. We got uh, the FHFA house price index on Wednesday, and that showed. Home prices are still going up. Yep. Yeah. Still going up. 5.8% was the year-over-year change, and this was reporting for November of 2018. So November to November, um, home prices still above 5% appreciation, although the pace of appreciation is slowing a little. Um, Homes are still appreciating it above average clip okay we're trending down it feels like i'd love to have an agent on the show right now to talk a bit about that um you know my redfin app says that i've only made 1.8 percent this year um i don't know that redfin well this year just started this year just started sorry last year okay yeah so my summary report ah ah the the 2018 yeah so only 1.8 percent huh Right, which I, I don't. I think it gave me way too much in seventeen. Mm. I think I went up like eleven percent. So I think there's a little bit of a skew with their calculation. But I feel like you know this. I in fact I know this area has done quite well with appreciation, just staying right in that nice five to nine percent range. And I think you know we've seen those of you that are looking for a house right now or. You know, trying to sell your house. You've seen some price drops here and there. I, I wouldn't even go as far as saying this is becoming a buyer's market. I just think that there was some weird fluctuations in all the rate increases we saw. And I mean, I think I think things were, we had Lindsay Harn on the show right before the holidays and she said it best, you know, it's, we've got so much equity in our homes that it just softens a little bit. I don't think it's an, a market where you can come in and be rude and Offer no. 10% under list. I think there may be, you could maybe describe the move up market as a little bit of a buyer's market. I think that's where you see a little bit of slower marketing times. Uh, so explain that. What do you like, mean? I mean, the entry level market is still a seller's market. So we're talking right? price range. Yeah. I mean, the entry level market, although prices have gone up quite a bit, and it's making it hard for some first-time buyers to even enter the market. In fact, you know, nationally, and I, I would suggest that the same metric applies here, that only about 25% of people can afford the median home. Um, 
with entry level housing, I think it's equally difficult, but there's such little inventory at the entry level end of the market that it's it's still highly competitive. That's mm-hmm. that's where there are first time buyers just waiting for the right home. There are investors waiting to gobble up yet another investment property in their portfolio. So I think that that's the end where there's just huge demand. Now, when you get up into that that move up market, which I mean, gosh, where should we pick? Let's say San Luis Obispo City, right? The entry level market's probably seven to eight hundred thousand in mm-hmm. San Luis Obispo City for a single family home. The median price of homes currently listed in San Luis Obispo is seven hundred twenty-five thousand. So, I mean, I keep an eye on, you know, some of the older three-bedroom homes, you know, that's, I think, prime for that Cal Poly rental type of thing. Mm-hmm. Usually not the best quality. Um, you know, this, they're usually just older homes. Yeah. They haven't been updated. Not that they're not good quality, but... Well, they're just, durable goods. They've just been, you know... They just haven't been updated. They're not... Yeah. They haven't had all the, you know, stainless appliances and solid surface counters right. and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, those things I see listed and flying off pretty much as fast as as they're listed in the mid-700s. So I, yeah. I would consider that kind of that entry-level market in slow. So the move up market in slow, I would say is probably, you know, close to a million bucks. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the spot where, um, where you could maybe have a little negotiation as a buyer. Um, I think, I don't think those homes are moving quite as fast. There's mm-hmm. not the same demand for those homes as there is for the entry level. And then you can apply that theory to any city so in morro bay i would yeah. say the entry level is five to six hundred thousand the move up's probably the seven to eight hundred thousand mm-hmm. um and and similar kind of thing going on there it's like looking at market segments on a graph you know like there are easy i mean the, the marketability of homes in that price range are difficult because of the the buyer's ability to qualify for financing or ability to have all cash i mean it, it goes way down. And so therefore, right, the seller still wants to sell an asset. They've got to sell it to someone. I think the agents in this area that that get those listings um, are experienced and understand how to price them. But still, not we're not seeing as much multiple uh, multiple counters or multiple offers at the same time in that price point at all. Well, I think they're... It's easy to decide to want to buy an entry-level home, right? You're renting. I'm tired of renting. I'm tired of paying someone else's mortgage. I want to own my own home and start building my own equity. You know, I want to be able to do what I want to my home. I want to be able to have dogs if I want. You know, those are the kinds yep. of things that drive someone. Or I finally got, you know, went from part-time to full-time employment. I'm feeling stable. I'm ready to settle down. Or mm-hmm. I'm getting married. I'm ready to start a family. Doing these things. All these different things that could be happening that could be... Um, moving you towards first-time home ownership, um, I think there's a lot less of those motivating factors to be move-up buyers. You know, you have to be dissatisfied with your existing home enough that you want to move. Moving is a hassle. Property you know? tax basis can be a hassle. Yeah, the whole property taxes are going to be more expensive issue. The you yeah, remember just, when you moved into your first house that you had to go and get all that new furniture? Yeah, you had to we paint. just man, we just redid the bathroom in our in our house here. I I'm gonna have to redo the bathroom. That was such a drag for yep. you know four months not having a functioning yep. bathroom or whatever it is. You know, I think it's just it takes more 
motivation motivation to get someone to want to do that move up so i think there's just less there's just less demand there yeah um and there always has been so that's that's the area where if you could say there was a buyer's segment of the market that would be it mm-hmm. i agree we got some new houses coming on the market too you know so there's a, a move up opportunity um people are going to be selling their houses to move into new developments um the ones that are really you know really cooking are the obviously the Williams home development in San Luis Obispo, the one on Rigetti Ranch is the name of it. It's where Tank Farm meets Old Orcut Road. Um, if you drive that way, you've known because they're stopping traffic left, right, and center to build out all of the entryway to this beautiful old community. Also, Noveno, which is a Robbins Reed project, which is where um, if you go down um, what I would call New Orcut Road, I guess, right before it hits Johnson. So just past the train tracks on Orcutt, um, as you're heading to Johnson Avenue, as you could go the back way to like, I'm trying to think of what they call that part of town. They call it the it's banana belt. But Islay it's, Hill, right? Well, Islay Hill is where Rigetti is. Yeah, okay. but, if, but what I'm talking about is if you were taking Broad 227 into San Luis Obispo and made a right on Orcutt, where, you know, the Chevron is, and yeah. you'd go down Orcutt, um, just as you pass the train tracks there. There's a mobile home park immediately after the train tracks. I have seen the tractors over there. Yeah, just past that is Noveno, which is a new age, new modern. um, How many units are there? It's not a big park. 69, 67. Bigger than I thought. Just over 60. Okay. Yeah. And um, Robbins Reed does a great job. They've done all types of projects throughout the Central Coast. Um, I know some of the principals pretty well and... I think that that's a good place to look at, too. So same builder for both Rigetti and... No, no. no. So the builder, um, the builder developer, Williams Home, is building Rigetti Ranch. Ah, gotcha. And then um, Noveno is a project done by Robbins Reed. Okay. And I don't, you know, obviously they hire subs, but they are the, you know, the contractor, the general on the project. Um, and then right around the corner where the Y is. So if you live in San Luis Obispo, you're following me. If you don't, you're probably getting more coffee. But um, where Old Orcut, um, excuse me, where Orcut turns into Old Orcut is Wathan Castanos's new development. So there would be three all in that area huh. filling in. I like that area out there. It's you know you're very connected to the activity and slow, but you're. You're just right on the outskirts yeah. where it's just a lot of farmland and open space, and it's beautiful country feel. It's got a little bit of a country feel. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine that's also in our industry lives right out there, um, has lived out there for a while in Tiburon, and he's, um, I don't know how they feel about the new development. He's not, you know, disgruntled. It's just, it's going to take away from some of that country say. feel. I don't think every, anyone's ever excited about new development in their neighborhood. Right. Usually you've. You liked the way it was. Yeah. <laughs> but it, this will this will transition us into a conversation that has to be had, right, is that we, we need more housing so that, um, and, and make no mistake, I wouldn't say these are, quote, unquote, affordable houses, but it opens up inventory for the first-time homebuyer that bought in Laguna Lake, that bought off of Johnson Avenue, maybe over off of Southwood, that bought, you know, um, in some of the areas where it is a smaller three two bedroom, and it they can takes, resell that house to you for yeah. five seventy. It takes the pressure five sixty five. It, it's yeah. it takes a little bit of that pressure off of the upward movement in prices. So while while none of it's really affordable, 
um, you know, it it doesn't get more unaffordable as fast because you've just got more units helping ease that demand a little bit. Well, let's talk about the logistics of someone that's selling their home, right? That that has owned it for four years, that has equity, that signed a contract with a new home developer. They have to be ready to move in at a certain period of time after that house is ready. The, the builder doesn't want to sit there and wait for them to sell their house. Right. It's not that they're, you know... So well, they're not being cordial. It's just that there's a time frame that needs to be met because they need to sell that house. To I re- was going to say to I refund s- their capital. Most people need to sell that home in order to have the money to put down on the new one. Right. So if they get offers that are a little bit softer than what they expected, they may lose ten, fifteen grand in what they thought they were taking with them. But what's ten, fifteen grand on a mortgage? It's not the end of the world, especially when they've lived in this house for four years, made it. One hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in equity. Mm-hmm. Gotten used to paying a mortgage instead of renting. Knows what it feels like to get that property tax bill and needs to move up. I mean, they've got a new daughter or son, or you know, they've gotten raises in their jobs. They've moved up. They've advanced in their career. It's just nice to get a brand new house that is not going to have anything wrong with it. Right. So that's what's coming in two thousand nineteen, and I think it's a good time for you to get pre-approved if you're looking to just get a first-time home. Because those are going to start opening up as the new development starts to sell more. Mm -hmm. We did not get new home sales numbers this last week, but we did get existing home sales numbers. Um, Existing home sales were down 6.4% for the month and a little over 10% year over year. Um, So... Definitely a decline in home sales activity. Again, this is reporting on number of units sold. Um, prices, on the other hand, are going the other direction. They're going up. Um, the oh, I don't see prices. Darn it. This is all set up for the perfect conclusion there. Yeah, I don't see prices, um, but the... The units sold of existing homes is down 10% year-over-year for the nation. Um, so that's that's a big, a big drop, more than expected. And supply is currently at 3.7 months nationally. So still, uh, you know, still the lack of inventory is, is the, the message here from the home sales numbers. Um, which, you know, it's good to see the new, new construction. You know, you just mentioned three projects all in one part of San Luis Obispo. We've got others in the works, um, Mm -hmm. that are going through development phases. We've got other projects in other parts of the County as well. Um, that have come on through the last year. Yep. Yep. So there, you know, there is a lot of, of, of stuff to look at if you're interested in new home sales. I think that's one of the bright spots in the housing market as we continue to recover um, is seeing more of the new construction. New construction is nice, you know, but I I hear they don't build them like they used to. <laughs> um, you sound yeah. like my grandfather. <laughs> Which in the housing world is probably not necessarily a bad thing. Um, homes that are built today are built with more of the energy efficiency um, mm-hmm. features, you know, you've a lot of new Net homes zeros. have solar power already uh, as a feature of the home. They have the, you know, low 
water usage landscaping um mm-hmm. we've got you know the, the nice new energy efficient windows um you know well insulated lots of those features that just help make the operating costs of the home lower than an older home it's funny you brought that up so I, i'm not sure if you know this or not dan but as starting 2020 if a builder takes out a new permit then um they have to guarantee that the project and the units will be net zero efficient, meaning, you know, that's going to, they're going to have an inspection before, um, you know, well before the certificate of occupancy, but they'll have to easily qualify for what's a net zero exchange in energy. So I think what we're starting to see is this trend of builders that, you know, obviously, there's a rush to get before that because there's there's a different process that goes into building the home, which was just requires more time, which could cut into profitability. But I think also builders are starting to really test out, you know, how this would build out a house, what the costs would be. Um, do they have to shrink square footage so that it's more net zero effective? Can they keep the same price? Um, maybe they have to go bigger. Obviously, there's design um, changes with where the house faces, right? Mm-hmm. And the windows in the morning and, yeah. you know, is that, is that sunshine going to hit a stone floor that's going to warm up a room, et cetera. So I think, you know, people don't may, may not know this, but all houses built in California going forward, if permitted after in 2020 Ford must qualify for a net zero. I'm actually machine. remodeling a house or helping to remodel a house in Royal Grande right now that, when they built the house, it was built in the like, late 60s, early 70s. And they put in fluorescent lighting. Uh, in the kitchen? Uh, or yeah, in the else? kitchen okay. below a skylight. So why would you have a skylight available to you and then you put in fluorescent lighting? It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe it was just installed later, but I've heard other people in this community have the same thing where there was fluorescent lighting installed below a skylight in the kitchen. Interesting. So it's kind of weird that you would do that. I mean, I can see can lighting or something like that for the evenings, mm-hmm. but why wouldn't you make a use of the skylight that you had installed I know. into the house? I know. It's just kind of weird. The skylight is, stuff. Yeah. yeah. We're getting to some construction stuff here. but Yeah, it's kind of weird, but, but it's just like you're talking about the the more modern ways of doing yeah, things. Yeah, I think that was just a design feature for a period of time. Yeah, it was I weird. mean, I know every every kitchen, I think growing up that I had, had the fluorescent lighting in the kitchen. Yeah. I feel like that was something that was just done. The big, like, yeah. um, you know, a lot of them ha- had the soffited kitchen ceiling with the you know the divided six panel fluorescent light in the kitchen kind of hung down a little that was just a thing and then you probably had the the skylight there so that during the day you could bring in that nice natural light or something it was just a design feature that you know was a fad and now it's it's very different do you have i i would imagine that you redid your kitchen not too long yes you don't have fluorescent lighting i ripped it out yeah we had the same thing. We had the fluorescent light and took that out as soon as we remodeled our kitchen. Yep. And we just have the regular LED can lights. Yeah, I had the huge like box on top yep. of drywall yep. screwed in with fluorescent lights yeah. inside of yeah. it. Tried to take that box down by myself on a ladder. That was not smart. It was, was just it one of those things yeah. that makes like a, <laughs> it's like, a little heavier it's than like you expected. 25 pounds high, heavier than yeah. what I could 
cold. <laughs> this is one of those things make you go, huh? Yeah. Just put in a skylight, but then cover it up with a fluorescent. Yeah. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. We never really get a chance on this show to talk about like the the um, the fleeing from California either is too much. You know, like all these new states, bordering states, getting all this new development and new builds. And one of the builders I was talking to this week in lunch is doing a done plenty of projects in California doing a brand new project in Boise, Idaho. So like all this interesting stuff's going on with regards to housing and like how it is um, trying to keep up with the population, you know, and where to move. I think it's a big change in the next 10 years on the West coast, you know, the energy, um, the affordability, the, um, you know, the, the income versus house pricing. You're going to see some changes, you know, it's gonna be a different world for our kids than it was for us. With regards to how California lives, all these baby boomers want to move to California. You know, they finally got their their empty nesting. Anyways, that's my rant about <laughs> the West Coast. I I can imagine that you know it's different on the East Coast. They built up a long time ago. You know, um, they don't enjoy things like green space. We're gonna have a whole other hour of this yeah. stuff. You know, right after this, we're gonna shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about technology's role in. The mortgage process and the home buying process um, in today's world. So uh, I think you'll find it interesting how the communication is done in today's world, how technology helps make the loan process more efficient and easier. And so we'll spend a little time with that. Uh, We will be back in about five minutes with more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All the leaves are brown. That song's for my borrower right now. She probably packed like a parka, you know? (laughs) going to be a beautiful day. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, you can listen to us on your headsets, in your car. Just don't turn us off when you leave the house. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. We're back. Oh, man. Bumper music about California and the weather and how everything's awesome in California, I guess. It is pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's not too bad. No. Yep. There I am. Now I can hear myself. All right. Yeah, we couldn't right. hear myself for a minute either. Yeah. And I'm the engineer, but I, fe- I think I figured it out over here. Good. Yeah. Good. Just got a little excited about that bumper, huh? Yeah, that's what it was. Crank the tunes. <laughs> forgot where you were for a minute. Yeah, that's right. We got a job to do here. We are yeah. talking to you, people. Um, so yeah, we were going to switch gears a little bit this hour and talk a little bit about um, technology in the mortgage and home buying process. I think technology is kind of 
inevitable and and really any inescapable yeah it's it's just it's taking over our lives right everybody's got a smartphone more and more people are shopping on their phones and on their computers in fact it's less on computers and more on phones um right all the you know gadgets all the stuff is going through mobile devices now it's like 60 percent of consumerism is occurring through a mobile device Mm mm-hmm so Most companies people. are starting to realize that and cater to that. Um, I think the mortgage industry has been very behind in technology. Um, it's just, I don't know why. It's, they've never fully leveraged what, what was out there. Um, real slow to, to take advantage of the communication tools, the ability to share and, and conference and, you know, all the things you can do with, with technology. Yeah. And only in the last, I, I think really the, the pressure was put on our industry by the folks at Quicken with yep. their rocket mortgage app, right? Yeah. They come out, they're, they're all about technology and they quickly took over the mortgage world with yeah. their technology. And now they're one of the dominant players. It's them and Wells Fargo at the top. I think there's a spectrum to be just set up on this conversation, Dan. So you've got the far left where it's the the old school loan officer where, you know, they they will expect a call from you. They're going to have you come into the office, bring all your documents. We're going to have a nice advising discussion about... Show you some charts and graphs. Yeah, fee sheets. We're going to get down into the transparency of what this is going to cost. Yeah. That's the far left, Okay. The far right of the spectrum is basically you don't talk to anyone, and within a couple clicks and and um, disclosures of or de- declarations of what you make, right, you get a nice, cool, shiny response email or maybe even a text yeah. that says, "Hey, you're pre-approved," and all of its automated form. Yeah. Letter communication. Do good looking thing. (laughs) You go buy a house. So what we're talking about today is, you know, I think the consumer needs to be somewhere between those far ends of the spectrum. Yeah. No one has the time to go in and sit down with Mr. or Mrs. Loan Officer and listen to them talk for 90 minutes about how this is going to be the biggest decision that they're going to make. But they need that person to help them with the biggest decision that they're going to make, right? And yeah. no one should go make the biggest decision that they're going to make from a text message. No. Right? Or like a shiny new email that says, go get that $500,000 house, you know? It's not like getting a coupon. There's a process because there are income guidelines, credit guidelines. There are There is a discussion to be had about long-term investment the idea of paying for your closing costs or not paying for your closing costs, right? Right. So I'm curious to hear from you today, and I'm, I'm, I'm loving that we're having this conversation because technology is a part of this for the consumer. But I, I want to make sure that they understand how we use the technology but still provide the partnership. I want to I continue on what you are saying real quick with, I think... Those who are using technology a lot, and I think Quicken is hugely guilty of this, they use their technology for the purpose of, you know, driving 
the process to a conclusion lead conversion good or bad yeah it's all about bringing leads in converting leads to loans closing loans yeah or converting leads to disqualified applicants and just kicking them out yep. it's all about good point pushing them through the process good point um with minimal consultation i think it's about you know Oh, it's a weeding out process, an efficient weeding out process. And I, I think there's some merit to it, but I think there's a lot of people that get left on the sidelines that could otherwise qualify if they have a conversation, if they understand why they're not qualifying or the fact that, you know, not every bank qualifies the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that there's other loan program options that not every bank offers, you know, some banks offer just a portion of the available products. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that technology can be great in our industry when used as just one of the tools to advise a buyer or just an applicant in the process. Save time, right? Yeah, save time. So time is so valuable. Uh, save the ability to go back and look and like and recall. And remember what we talked about, you know, the, the logs that we have, the proposals that we can provide through technology, you know, uh, that, un, that unfortunate, very um, untimely moment when the house comes on the market and it's eight o'clock, you're like, oh, I kind of want to call Dan right now, but because I need a pre-approval for this, but being able to access a pre-approval, right? Because you've already had a discussion with Dan that says, hey, you can qualify for something in this range. Mm-hmm. Let's just access this portal and get the pre-approval. You know, you don't have to call Dan while he's with his son and daughter. So one of the one of the big evolutions in mortgage um, is the what we're calling the point of sale system. It's the it's the borrower. It's the beginning of the loan experience for the for the applicant, right? It's that it's that mortgage app, the the mobile app on your phone. It's the loan application on the on the mortgage company's website. It's, you know, that that's where the point of sale is occurring, is that application process. Um, in the old days, or for mortgage companies that haven't adopted technology, that still today, or that was a phone consultation or a face-to-face interview, um, where there was, you know, let's talk about what your objectives are. Let's get down the basic information onto paper. Um, let's send you home with a list of to-do items. That was kind of how the process used to work. Today, with the point-of-sale systems, the application is taken almost without you knowing that you're filling out an application. It's asking you a series of questions that is effectively taking a loan application, but it's doing it in a way where it's kind of just asking you, like, hey, where do you, where do you work? You know, yeah. casual cocktail conversation, right? Yeah. Where do you work? Oh, yeah. Cool. What do you do? I mean, if I wanted to send you mail there, how would I find you? <laughs> What's your phone number? Right. <laughs> you know, it's real, but it's easy. And you just go Fluid. through these these steps. And, and the point of sales are so smart now that if you're inquiring about a refinance, it's only asking you questions related to refinancing your property. Right. Um, the, the loan applications through these sophisticated point of sale systems are filtering the questions based on your previous responses. So very nice from a customer application standpoint i i think it's a more efficient way of taking a loan application and with most of these being done either on a mobile device or on a website um either on your laptop or a mobile device 
you can do it at any time. You don't have to do it between the hours of eight and five, mm-hmm. um, you know, where you're taking time off of work to go do it, or you're having to meet someone after hours and it's inconveniencing everyone. You don't have to do that now. You can do it 24 seven right. on a device. And when you're done with it, it notifies the loan officer that you're, that you're done. And so if that loan officer is able to call you on a weekend or whenever they'll do that. Um, a lot of these point of sale systems have some intelligence to them too, where once you fill out the application online, you know, you've, you've made indications of where you work, what type of employment is, is it self-employment or, you know, are you working for another company? Um, do you own rental property? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, how many banking institutions do you have money at? Well, you have a thing. co-borrower. Right. So you've answered all these questions and based on those answers, the system, the point of sale system actually tells you what documentation you're going to need to provide. And so before you even talk to a person, it's possible that you have completed a loan application and been given your to-do list of documents to gather and provide. And then these point of sale systems, the better ones are going so far as to providing you the, the document checklist with the ability to upload each document to that checklist and then get it off your list. Right. Um, some of them will even have a scanner tool. So if you don't already have a PDF available to you, you can take pictures with your phone and upload the document that way. You don't have to go to FedEx to scan a document right. or go to your work to scan a document. Or your neighbor's house. Right. You don't have to do that. You can just do it right from your phone now because we have all this technology right in our hands. Yep. And we're using it. We're figuring out how to use it to make this process easy and efficient. Um, now we're getting these, um, these point of sale systems are integrating with your financial institutions to be able to get the information directly from the institution without you providing a document at all. So there's services like plaid or Finicity or there's others. I, I don't even know all the names. They've all got, you know, yep cute little names where there's two capitalized words sandwiched together into one word. Um, Bad (laughs) bad grammar, you know, cool names. Um, But they will allow you to, rather than uploading a bank statement, you can provide in a secure environment your username and password to your bank account. um, And they'll just grab that data that they need. Um, and you don't have to do anything. And then if an update to your bank statement is required during the loan process, because, you know, normally we need 60 days of bank statements. So you provide that during the pre-qualification process, but then it takes you 30 more days to find a home, uh, you know, the right home for you to buy. It takes 15 days to get through the offer and counter offer process. It takes, you know, this particular seller needs to, you know, find their replacement home. So they want to have a longer escrow, let's say a 45 or 60 day escrow. So now by the time you're getting down to closing, three more months have passed since you provided two months of bank statements and you need updates. Well, rather than needing to come to you to ask you for those new documents, you've already provided your login info at the very beginning of the process. And it's stored in the system for, uh, you know, just a short period of time, 90 to 120 day period of time. So um, they're able to get the updates needed without even having to bother you. It's all happening in the background. Yep. Um, So it's really amazing what the point of sale systems have done for efficiency. Um, 
before those point of sale systems were employed, we would have a couple of problems. One, we would have, you know, either an unmotivated applicant or a disorganized applicant um, that would just struggle to get all the items to you in yep. a timely fashion. So there would be the blame game that goes on. The realtor's like, hey, why aren't we where we should be in this process? And the loan officer's like, I got, a, I got an applicant who's just not getting me what I'm asking him. Yep. Well, you need, you know, you need Hurry to be up. better at asking. Well, I, you need to help me help this guy get to the finish line. Yeah. So there's all this finger pointing that goes on. Or you have a loan officer that's disorganized or mostly just disorganized yep. where they don't have a structured process in place to ask you efficiently for what they need. And they're not diligent with follow-up or right. they don't have the support staff to help them. They're get so items. focused on telling the agent they're ready to go. Right. That, that you get into escrow. Yeah. Maybe they're just a, you know, the type of loan agent where they're always out harvesting the new deal and not really good at getting the existing deals to the finish line. Yeah. Whatever the problem may be, I chalk it up to disorganized loan officer. These point-of-sale systems help keep everybody on track. It keeps the loan officer on track. In fact, it provides them the tools to continue to bring in new clients while still servicing their existing clients. Um, and, and so it helps keep that, that applicant on track as well so that they're not missing deadlines. Because missing a deadline can be bad for a loan officer's reputation. It can also be bad for the buyer because they could lose an earnest money deposit. Yep. They could lose the contract altogether. Um, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. It can cost money. It can cost heartache. Um, you know, there's a lot that can go wrong by missing these deadlines. Uh, home purchases are on a contractual timeline to close. So, you know, timing is very important. Sure. Um, so these systems are great tools and, and more and more companies are starting to use them. The, th then there's just the whole milestone updating of the mortgage process that's huge. You know, we obviously have been enjoying that for a number like of years, years now. Yeah. yeah. And it's great. We get great feedback on, on keeping people proactively updated on progress. Um, Seems it, like such a simple thing to do. It is. It is. It's a very simple thing. And we have this technology. We can share loan status with all the parties that need to know um, in real time. And just a short number of years ago, it was always driven. It seemed like, you know, the majority of status updates were from someone who was panicking and needing to know yesterday. Um, very few times was it the proactive communication of, hey, I just wanted to let you know that this is what's happened. We've made progress. And it wasn't, you know, a fire drill that prompted me to tell you that. Right. You know, just just letting you know everything's going on schedule as we hope. Hey, okay. Um, you yeah. know, it, it used to just be everything's behind schedule. There's, this is just how it goes. Yeah, and and that was what would drive status updates. But now it's very different, and it's it's much more calming to the process. To I think everyone involved, they can see real time where we're at. Mm -hmm. um, so there's these great tools, and I guess. You know, what I would say, there, there is a, still a place in this process, a very necessary place in this process for the personal touch. And I don't think that needs to be eliminated altogether. I don't think it should be eliminated altogether. I think there's an important 
part of this process that is that consultation. Because as much as we can employ the technology, I don't know that that really adequately identifies the goals of the buyer or the the home refinancer. Um, it's hard to always understand those goals completely, both short-term and long-term. And that's still necessary in understanding what the best loan program, the best interest rate, the best cost versus rate trade-off is necessary for this client. A lot of the software kind of leaves that up to the customer to figure out, well, do you want higher fees and a lower rate or lower fees and a higher rate? I don't know. I don't know. Why would I want, why would I, I mean, I, I want lower fees and a lower rate. Why can't I get both? Well, it's just not the way it works. You know, the software doesn't tell you that. It just tells you, you have these options, but low fees and low rate isn't one of the options. Right. Um, so you need that person to explain, well, why isn't that an option? And why would I do one versus the other? Why do other people do one versus the other? Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. that's where that experienced loan officer, real human element involved in the transaction is important. May I chime in? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I 100% agree. In fact, this is my business model going forward. It's, I've been implementing it the last six months. I'm using technology um, as much as I can to do exactly what you said, Dan, which is gather those documents, make the buyer's experience enjoyable, but then I turn on the juice once I have all their stuff and really implement what I call you know, the Mike points factor, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I take an approach to every new buyer or refinance with giving them three to five scenarios that could work for them based on information they gave me about how long they're gonna stay in that house um, what their big milestone in life is in the next one to five years. I make them tell me that many times. They're like, I don't know, Mike, you know, I just want to lower my payment. Okay. Well, I get that. But you know, let's talk about, are you looking to retire? Are you looking to, do you want to have this thing paid off? You know, the discussion of a loan program is derived from the input that they give you mm-hmm. a, a software today is not smart enough yet to understand how to process that, you know, information and give a good solution. Um, the other thing I would add is, you know, we at Central Coast Lending, many, many lenders don't have this, especially locally. We have an in-house underwriter. When I get all of these documents, I'm instantly putting them together and getting my loan approved by an underwriter so that we can make an offer either without loan contingencies. So the seller is like, oh, there's not going to be a financial hiccup. Or we can close in 21 days because I've done all the work. And what that allows us to do is focus on things like, how long are you going to live in this house, right? You found it. What do you think? Well, we need about, I didn't know this when we first sat down, Mike, because I was just giving you my documents, but we love this house. We're going to need about 30 grand to fix it up. All right, let's put a little bit less down. Let me show you how mortgage insurance works. There's different ways to pay for mortgage insurance. All these are what I call the Mike points factor. And what is really a good loan officer sitting down And using the technology to make the buyer's experience enjoyable, but then adding the advice that everyone needs. We are trained real estate buyers. That's what a loan officer is. I know how to purchase real estate in a way that I can keep your monthly payments low. I can have that asset paid off faster. I can keep your monthly payments higher, but not have to have you bring in any cash or minimal cash so you can change that into something else. I love that example of the person who wants to buy a home but have a little bit of money left over to improve the home. 
right when mm-hmm. they move in because this is exactly where technology fails the applicant and the loan officer for that matter um you know the technology doesn't it's not efficient to tell you about all the possibilities well there's a rehabilitation loan Mm -hmm. where you can put your full 20 percent down and get the money you need to improve the home but essentially get it all financed into a loan and still not necessarily need to have mortgage insurance because you're your loan to value is going to be based on the finished value after, after construction. Yeah. So there's exactly the, the technology is not telling you that option even exists. It's just trying to cram you into a simple 30 year fixed conventional FHA, VA, USDA loan. That's all it wants to do. Yep. It doesn't want to tell you about the rehabilitation loans or the construction loans or the, you know, non QM loans or the, any of that other stuff. It's focusing on the core where, 70 to 80 percent of the market is that's that's what those technologies cater to so there's other options for people where the human element is necessary and so i love technology that is used for helping get a loan process off to a fast efficient organized start yeah but then you insert that human element to discuss options and figure out the strategy and understand the goals. So they've got to work in tandem. Um, and that's, you know, so I, I think it's important. The message here to listeners is, you know, working with a lender that's employing the technology, I think, helps keep everybody on track for, um, you know, the, the on-time closing, which is necessary in these purchases in today's world. Um, but also a lender that's, that's well-versed enough and understands all the different products that are out there and the motivations of buyers and works with lots of buyers to understand and have a depth of experience to draw on, to be able to provide that advice um, to customers today. So I think that's important when looking for a lender to work with in today's home buying environment. Um, We do need to take a break. It's the half hour mark here. We've got uh, 30 more minutes to go with you. We've got a couple of other things to talk about. So uh, never a shortage of talking points here. If you would like to ask a question or share a comment, we always love that too. Uh, the number to the show is five four three eight eight three zero. That's eight zero five five four three eight eight three zero. We'll be right back with more mortgage matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call five four three eight eight three zero or eight hundred five four nine fifty eight thirty two. Mortgage matters on KVEC News Talk nine twenty. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending, and I want to thank you for supporting us these past 11 years. We have helped thousands of local residents buy and refinance homes here on the Central Coast, and we couldn't have done it without you. We are sincerely grateful and look forward to serving you for many years to come. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 6054783. NMLS number 328358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-473. NMLS number 328. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. And not even from across the country. No. And that was wow. Cool. Right on. <laughs> I like it. Cool That's cigarettes like and sparkling wine. Figure, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Might have to Scissor go. Sisters. Go buy an album and show the support or something. That's yeah, pretty cool. That's great. Buy an album. Pretty yeah. soon, pretty soon the show will be over, Dan, and yeah. I'll be heading to a one-year-old birthday party. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> Loving yeah. it. So exciting. I've got yeah. a little yard work in my future. 
now that the rains have passed, I'm ready to get out and do a little bit of that cleanup. Get ready for springtime. Get Alden out there, your boy. Yep. Yeah. Got to get him raking some leaves good, or something. Good six minutes of labor out of that kid. Yeah. <laughs> Or after, after about six minutes, you're like, "All right, go see mom." Yeah, this is you're distracting me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, my gosh, yeah, not quite the helper that I'm I'm needing at this point. Pretty pumped though. This birthday party is a close friend and a and a client of ours that we helped move into a house at the end of 2017. Um, property that they lived in for a couple years it made sense for them to buy it from the landlord good price because landlord didn't use insurance or real estate agents mm. and um here's the funny thing the rate that they got in the end of 2017 is almost the same rate they could get today oh nice what do you think about that i love it yeah the the, the fours are back you know we we had passed over the five percent mark on a 30-year fixed yep. last year and thought that there was no looking back from there. And then this late run from, you know, somewhere around Thanksgiving, yep. in between Chris- Christmas and Thanksgiving, um, we saw rates fall. Mm-hmm. And now, even in the new year, they've stayed down. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're 30-year fixed today on a... With 20% down, a 30-year fixed is... Actually, I just priced out a 5% down loan on a... Uh, excuse me, five percent down on a purchase price of four hundred five, and uh, six four point six two five was the rate with no cost to the buyer. That's pretty good. I did another one, like I told you, the Ohio client that's coming out that's going to buy a pro- property in Yucca Valley, mm-hmm. a little bit smaller loan, two hundred eighty four thousand dollar purchase with twenty percent down, four point five percent. Wow. Did a fifteen year review. I do annual mortgage reviews with all my clients that uh-huh. bought in the last three years. A uh, 15-year with one point was 3.875. Wow. 720 credit score. So, yeah, the low rates are, are remaining. They're still here. Um, it's it's incredible. Uh, you know, we think they're gone, and they, they've come back, and they're, they're staying. Um, there's just, you know, Mike threw out a couple of loan amounts just as examples, but the the conforming loan amount, which is what you're essentially describing there, four hundred thousand purchase price, so a three hundred something thousand dollar loan. Um, those interest rates actually apply to loans up to four eighty four uh, four hundred eighty four thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That's the new conforming loan limit as of twenty nineteen, four hundred eighty four thousand. And then Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Um, FHA, all the agencies, they have a high balance loan limit as well for some of the high cost communities in our country, which, of course, the Central Coast is a high cost community. That's um, why they write songs about us. <laughs> right. Exa- yeah. <sighs> um, those those markets, our market, our San Luis Obispo market um, can Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac um, can do loans up to six hundred and seventy seven thousand dollars. Six, six, seven. You transpose the numbers. Six, six, seven. Sorry, yeah. six hundred and sixty-seven thousand um, dollars. And usually the for rate, one unit, the the rate on that is usually just an eighth higher than the regular conforming loan. That's right. Interest rate. So that's right. Um, still sub five percent interest rates for up to you know almost seven hundred thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. That's that's pretty amazing. That's cheap money still. Yep. Um, you know we've. 
said it time and time again on the show, the the normal mortgage rates hover between six and eight percent. That's the historical norm for mortgage rates is six to eight percent. So we're we're working on ten years here of below normal mortgage rates. Yep. Um, even though they've gone up since the bottom, um, they're still below normal, still incredible cheap ability yep. to finance and large loan amounts. Don't forget, if you're listening and you're saying, gosh darn it, I wish that I wasn't in that business cycle where I wasn't showing enough net income on paper, we can also help self-employed earners as well. We have a special program for self-employed people that are just kind of frustrated with not being able to have access to this interest rate market. Well, and yeah, that, I guess this is a good time to remind people that it's that tax time of year, right? This is the time where you're starting to get all your 1099s and 1098s for interest and your W-2s from your employer. And you're starting to get all those tax documents gathered up. And and um, before too long, um, tax returns can start to be filed. And yep. if 2019 or 2020 for that matter, is a goal year for you to buy a home, you know, make a move, you know, move from your current home to a new home, or possibly do a refinance. Maybe you're thinking about debt consolidation Mm -hmm. or something um, where you might need to access some of that home equity. Now is a good time to contact a loan officer and maybe talk about what your tax return is going to look like before you actually file it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not uncommon for us to have a three-way consultation with a tax preparer, a loan officer, and the borrower, and the borrower, a homeowner, um, yep, potential home buyer, to talk about what what may need to happen on the tax return to enable. A mortgage qualification. May I step in here? Yeah. So it's it's actually very common. In fact, I line these these meetings up starting late October. It's nice to do them the year before because some of our corporation owners need to um, should and need to adjust their W two wages, um, and they can take more in wage versus more in K one. We have to average K one income sometimes, and, and and it's not it's not finagling the financial reports. It's just a different form of payment to an owner. There's certain things that they want to write off. They want to purchase things. They want to depreciate things. That CPA may not always know just because they're a CPA, what cell to put that in for like, for example, a self-employed individual who files schedule C tax returns might put car and truck expenses in box nine of the schedule C where that could be depreciation expenses going into box nine. We can't add it back box nine, but if it's in depreciation under a car, we can add it back. So these are the types of discussions where we're planning out sophisticated steps to make sure your income is where it needs to be. Then we can say, hey, look, if this is what you're going to file, this is what you would be approved for. Okay, that's not enough. Next year, you need to get to here in income or here in net income so that we can help you get this mortgage. Obviously, we would say, look, we're going to cast out a higher interest rate. We can't predict the future, but this is what we the track we want to be on. And I can't tell you, Dan, how many self-employed individuals appreciate that so much. Their yeah. their business, they know how much cash flows through their business. They get mm-hmm. a good feel for that. But they don't have the ability to plan 
well on how to buy a piece of real estate until they're like thrown into the situation, right? It's like the worst thing you can do is is follow a loan officer's instructions when you're thrown into the situation to buy a house and do something like amend a tax return or you know well, or take a higher income out of nowhere so you pay more tax just so you can get the house. You know, I think there's a sophisticated and a and a methodical way to approach this if you're self-employed. And planning ahead is is always the best move when in the mortgage world as an underwriter when you're looking at tax returns and you're seeing amended tax returns where incomes are being adjusted higher. Um, I can tell you that doesn't work. It, it always looks like it's done purposefully to qualify for a loan. It's, it never looks innocent. Um, it's not a good thing to do. You get a lot of extra questions. Um, Mm -hmm. so planning ahead, getting the tax return correct. And it's not just for self-employed people. Obviously self-employed is the main target audience for this discussion because there's the, either the schedule C or the corporate return where they're reporting the gross and the net income and all the expenses. So or maybe they have a net operating loss or so something yeah, weird, right? There's things like that where we can help adjust. Hey, you know, I know you love writing off every single meal. Maybe we don't write off all the meals this time because you need to show a little more income or mm-hmm. did you know that we add back depreciation? So if you don't worry so much about the net number because we're not focused solely on the net number. We look at net plus adding back the depreciation mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can beef up depreciation, that's a way we can beef up total qualifying income. So there's things we can look at, but also for the employed earner, um, oftentimes we'll see them have residential real estate as investment, you know, and that appears on a schedule E of a tax return. Same kind of thing there though. You know, there's a tendency to want to write off every trip to the landfill or every Home Depot expense as a rental property expense. Come on, people. We know that you went and, you know, did something for your own primary residence that you're trying to squeeze in as a write off on a rental property. I get it. Um, You know, we look at that. We look at, hey, maybe that shouldn't be done or, you know, so there's there's things that we can help advise on if in the 2019 or 2020 tax years, you're thinking about doing some kind of real estate transaction. It's important to plan ahead. We can help you with that. It's always part of the consultation process. It's always free. Um, And it's just good to get that second set of eyes, get that opinion, make sure you're doing it right. And I know I sound like a broken record, Dan, but I want to say one more time, if you are self-employed and you had to buy a piece of real estate with, let's say, hard money or, you know, a higher interest rate because you had to go through a unique type of mortgage process because you just couldn't qualify in the regular process, please contact us. Um, contact You can call any of our offices at 805-543-LOAN. That's 805-543-5626. And we can talk to you about the bank statement program because I've taken now four individual business owners out of high-interest loans, given them some of them I've given cash back, some of them I've gotten them out of that crazy payment that they had, and got it into a 30-year mortgage by just looking at 12 to 24 months of their bank statements. Some of these, you know, another aspect to these non-qualified mortgages, which is the product category you're referencing right now, the bank statement loans, there's one that's geared specifically for investors. Um, yeah. You know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are the 
the go-tos when it comes to financing an investment property. FHA, VA, USDA, you can only use those programs to finance primary residences. Um, That's right. If you want to finance a vacation home or an investment property, you're doing that with Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac financing or jumbo financing. But still, even those guidelines are based on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac guidelines. Um, Those guidelines limit the number of investment properties you can have financed. So if you are a savvy investor and you have a deep real estate portfolio and you understand that the cost of borrowing is cheap right now, which it is, what do we say? Four something percent? Under five percent? On investment property, it'll be a little different. Probably right around five percent on yeah. investment property. Five and a quarter. Yeah. Um, that there is an ability to finance. You know, so Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they cap the number of homes you can have financed. I think Freddie's like seven and Fannie's ten. No, opposite. Or opposite. Fannie stops at six. Freddie goes to ten. Okay. When you do seven through 10, you have to have a 720 credit score. Yeah. So you have limitations. So if you want to buy that 11th property or the 12th property or the third, you know, on and on, um, you would have to do it all cash. But these, there's a, now a a non-qualified mortgage product. So it's non-Fannie Freddie um, Mm -hmm. that really is treating it more like a commercial property at that point. That's correct. It's saying, hey, you're not just Joe homeowner who's got, uh, a rental property. You're clearly this is a business for you. Yep. You've got a number of rental properties, and you're deriving income and managing a portfolio of properties. You're a landlord by profession, mm-hmm. so this is a business, and we're going to treat it like a business. And when you acquire new rental property, we're going to look at the cash flow of that rental property. Mm-hmm. We're not looking at so much at your personal income and that kind of thing. I mean, that's a factor, but we're more interested in the cash flow of that property. And many of these programs will allow you to just um, remove your personal income altogether and just look at the, if the rents from the property are $1 more than the principal interest taxes and insurance on that unit, then we can close the loan. So $1 more. Um, And that's, and you know, these, these are, we go back to our technology discussion, Dan, these are the discussions that you have with a trained loan officer. Mm-hmm. I want to be a business partner with you. Um, but it's a great time to think about the 1031s out there where you're like, mm, God, I wish I could sell that property, but I can't qualify for the next loan because I got all this other stuff going on in my personal life. Whether it be just fluctuations of, of you know income on paper, maybe it's a divorce, God forbid, Maybe it's just, you know, you're in that cycle where you're ramping up a new business and you don't have a lot to show. Good time to talk about investment property because right now equities are high and moving that into something else could work. Right, Dan? Absolutely. Um, sorry, I wanted to... That's okay. I, I wanted to... One other thing I wanted to just uh, touch on with the um, rental property, non-qualified mortgages, the... The nice thing about these underwriters is that they, you might have in the past gone through numerous questions that just don't make sense, but these non-qualified mortgage underwriters are tailored to have a sense for business, tailored to have a sense for rental properties. So the experience is actually quite more professional and tailored to 
a business landlord, like you said, Dan, or a business owner where it's just explaining some abnormalities in your deposits or, you know, why is this property going to be, you know, what, why are the rents going to be this on this property? So it is a good experience. I'm liking it because I like the business aspect of it. I like having another vertical, if you will, to talk to people about lending and real estate than just, you know, the average first time home buyer. Love that. Do that a lot. But I like dealing with people that are trying to build wealth in real estate as well. Yeah. It's fun to help put all those pieces together. Um, help them you use financing as a tool to mm-hmm. build the portfolio mm-hmm. and and improve cash flow make things work financially it's a it's a fun process um you know you've makes me want to get up in the morning yeah and uh, somewhat of a tangent here but you're making me think of you know some of our our hobby farm and and ag type of um loan products that we offer since we're in an agricultural community we felt that it's important to be able to address those needs as well. So we have a, a couple of resources available to provide ag financing and hobby farm financing, which typically is problematic in the residential financing world. Although there may be a home that you can live on on a 10-acre parcel or 5-acre parcel, it's the fact that there's strawberries, you know, grapes or strawberries or horses or goats or whatever Almonds. you're into you know, as, as a hobby – <laughs> Ammons. Ammons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's something that that makes that property feel a little more commercial in nature. And so a lot of residential lenders will shy away from those properties and yep. they become difficult. But it's a big part of our community here on the Central Coast. Um, I was having dinner with Kevin Liebert last night. He's one of our more experienced loan officers that do this. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he'd be happy to talk to you about any of your agricultural um, financing needs, whether you're purchasing or looking to just improve a piece of property. That's one of the other things these ag loans do. They will listen to your narrative about what you're going to do with the land yeah. and give you projected income on what that crop or commodity will produce to help you qualify. Yeah. It's a, it's a fascinating um, program to help people. So you don't have to be flush with cash to be able to buy that dream parcel of we call it the ranchette, the five to ten acre ranchette. With yeah. it's got that ag stuff. You know, if you have your young kids and you want them to have that farm life type of experience, but still be close to town and close to the amenities of mm-hmm. of living in a, a more suburban type of area, then you can accomplish that. Um, you can get a an eighty percent loan to finance that property. Um, at a fixed interest rate, too. That's yeah. the other thing. A lot of times with commercial financing or ag financing, you think of um, shorter terms or adjustable terms or balloon term loans at higher interest rates. Yeah. And that in itself makes it either unaffordable or unattractive to buy that type of property. And, yes. um, you know, we have access to 30 year fixed, 20 year fixed, 10 year, you know, whatever kind of fixed term you want mm-hmm. um, at a reasonable rate. You know, something below 6%. It's probably not going to be below 5%, at least not on a fixed sure. rate, but it's going to be reasonable. And given the unique nature of the property type and and that kind of thing, and the jumbo loan amount usually that it takes to buy that type of property, it's reasonable financing. Absolutely. So, How cool uh, would it be to have a bunch of goats you could just make goat milk with and sell to local 
you know, local farmer markets? I think I think most people around here appreciate the rural nature of the area and have had that thought. Mm-hmm. If nothing more than just a, a fleeting thought. You know, yeah. they've at least thought about it once. Like, yeah. Man, that'd be nice. That'd be cool. Yeah. Until they're like, man, that'd be a lot of work. Oh, that's what I'm saying, dude. My wife's <laughs> like, let's great. do it. Let's get chickens and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, no. Do you know what our weekends are going to feel God, like? God, no. We're going to have a lot of work to do. Yeah. yeah. Not uh, wearing overalls. <laughs> again, the human element here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we cater to all of you people. That's why we're here. That's right. Um, well, you know, it's been, close. it's been another another great show. Sure do love coming here on a Saturday, right? Yeah. Love that new bumper music I found. Yeah. yeah. Our I'm just going to play one more song. time. Yeah. Like, right here, I got to <laughs> hold you up. Yeah. Just so you know. Well. <laughs> Whoa. We'll go out with it. Um, it's like a samba bit right there. You know, we do, uh, we do enjoy showing up every Saturday and spending time with you here live on the radio. We do want to be a resource for you. I know not always um, does our presence here invoke calls. Um, but we know you're listening. We try to provide topics um, to just get your mind churning, um, sparking different ideas or thoughts you may be afraid to ask about. So that's the purpose of us coming here. Our goal is to provide about 45 live shows a year, um, yeah. plus or minus. It's always not always easy to get here, especially during holidays. But um, we hope you appreciate the resource that we provide. Um, we're always here if you need us. Even during the week, you can get us... At any one of our offices, you can call us at 543-LOAN, 805-543-5626. Any of our loan officers are happy to help, happy to answer any questions, whether it's related to a transaction that's going on or something you're thinking about doing a year or two from now. It's um, never a bother. We're never too busy for your phone calls. I think it's important to, you know, one of the reasons we start, you started the show, Dan, with Jason is to have education and, and public um, knowledge of what was happening with the Dodd-Frank Act and, you know, what's coming out of the crash. But now it's it's allowed us to have that household name and truly we carry that philosophy on in our business. If you came in and just want... I've had walk-ins come in and say, hey, I listen to you guys on the radio. I need some help. How cool is that? And I, I welcome any of our listeners. Come on in. You don't have to find just Dan or me or Jason. Any of our loan officers would help you. Um, it's just our, it's just part of our fabric. Yeah. You know, we believe that this is a relationship and we believe that this is a big decision and we want you to have good advice. Okay. Sure. We're a business. We need to make a profit. Well, we want to compete for your business, Correct. but at the end of the day, we understand we're helping families who are buying homes and wanting to do it efficiently and affordably. And so that's where we come in and we know that it's a financial decision and you got to get a great deal and you got to have a great customer experience. And so we want to be an option for you to at least consider. Yep. Um, but we're always going to be a resource for you. We're always going to be here to help answer questions. And it's going to be a home right in a community that one of our co-workers lives in or we us ourselves live in. That's why we have offices in Atascadero, the new office in Paso. Yeah. Um, San Luis Obispo. And Morro Bay. 
And don't forget about Ventura. Ventura. That's right. So visit any one of our offices. Give us a call. Uh, stop in. We're on the web, centralcoastlending.com. Um, you can begin that loan application experience, or you can give us a call uh, anytime during the week, 805-543-LOAN, 805-543-5626. Rings all of our Central Coast Lending offices. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back next week with more Mortgage Matters.